John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me. He is on vacation up in the Midwest part of the country, enjoying a little bit of time with some family, a little bit, a couple of days away from the hectic, chaotic nature of this MMA business. Having a good time there. But just because he's on vacation, that doesn't mean that we stop. No, sir. 229 consecutive weeks of quality. Well, I like to think quality anyway. At least 229 consecutive weeks of something. <laughs> uh, to his credit, though, Cole Coffee will be actually editing this and uh, putting it all together, so he's not taking completely off. I just told him he didn't have to jump on the phone and record with me. I am in Atlantic City right now. I'm at the uh, Hard Rock here in Atlantic City. Nice Thursday afternoon, a l- little bit overcast, but still the sun is shining. You can see the, the boardwalk down below, the Atlantic Ocean out there. I'm here for Cage Fury Fighting Championship 77. Uh, that will be on UFC Fight Pass on Friday night. Myself and CM Punk and Jessica Penne on the call. So looking forward to working with them again. Had a good time last time out. Uh, so that show is Friday night uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern. If you want to watch that on Fight Pass, certainly would appreciate it. And then I actually have a 2.30 a.m. car taking me to Philadelphia where I will fly first to Dallas and then to John Wayne Airport in, uh, I believe that's in Santa Ana, California, just about 15 minutes away from the Honda Center in Anaheim. So I will be in Anaheim for UFC 241. I'll be there just for fight night only. I'll probably be a little bit tired, but we're going to do it. Simon Simano there. Uh, Dave Doyle is there. They both live in, in the Southern California area. Dave Mandel has been helping us out all week with coverage on MMA Junkie. And Mike Bond is there as well. He always... Uh, Makes the trip down for SoCal shows. I believe his uh, dad lives there in SoCal, so he always takes the opportunity to go see some family. So we'll have a, a good crew uh, on uh, on Saturday night, USC 241, which is a, uh, a phenomenal card. Looking forward to that. But like I said, Friday night, don't miss out. Cage Fury Fighting Championships. Tune in on USC Fight Pass. I certainly would appreciate it. Enjoying getting this commentary gig going again, something I really uh, – have a fun time doing it, and working with CM Punk is fun, man. Say say what you will about the man as a fighter. I know he's he's a, an easy target in terms of his UFC career, but he's a, he's a good dude. He's a student of the game, and he's passionate, man. We actually lost our main event here uh, due to an injury to one of the, the contestants, couldn't find a replacement. And CM Punk was bummed, man. We were having like, some email conversations with the matchmakers, and he was bummed. I mean, he's passionate about these fighters, man. He really is. He's putting in the work. And, of course, Jessica Pinne is, is uh, going to be handling interviews again with the fighters, and she's uh, she's great to work with as well. She's kind of burgeoning in this uh, commentary world as well. So we definitely enjoy working together. And then right after us on Fight Pass, you can keep it right on Fight Pass, but Kinetic, the, the team grappling event that Sean Wheelock was talking about last week, that's going to be on Fight Pass as well. Sean Wheelock uh, and Paige Van Zant are calling that, and then Uriah Faber is actually doing uh, the interviews. So... The California kid taking on a new role there. He's actually a part owner in the organization, but he's going to be doing some interviews as well. So I'm anxious to see that. I really like the team grappling concept. We've seen it with Quintet. It, it's it's very similar to that. Um, you got four teams uh, that are that are going to be competing that night, and uh, some 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 pretty big names there. Some pretty cool names. You know, the, the, the Craig Jones, Chris Lytle, Chell Sonnen, and Anthony Smith are your team captains, and, and they've put together their own teams. Interestingly enough, how about this? Chael Sonnen's team is all Brazilians. <laughs> Out of all the things 
he said about Brazil back in the day and all the terrible things he had to say about Brazil and people said he was racist. His team is all Brazilian. He's got Gabriel Checo, Rafael Domingos, Alexandre Almeida, Honey Marks, and Vinny Magalesh. So pretty funny there. Chris Lytle brought some names. Rico Rodriguez, Joe Riggs uh, in there. Chris, Chris Lytle, of course, is, is going to compete as well. The captains have the, de- uh, the decision of whether they want to compete or not. Chris Lytle decided to do it. Uh, Craig Jones is gonna is gonna compete for his team as well. He's also got Gordon Ryan with him, so you got a couple of studs there. Nikki Rodriguez as well. So uh, Edwin Najimi, Lechi and Giles. I don't know those two as much. Those must be more uh, of the grappling world that I that I, I will admit I don't know, but I'm learning about and I'm enjoying. It. I think they got to have crossover with MMA. That's what's gonna make this work. Um, but but they're doing that. So anyway, that's gonna be a fun fun uh, fun show on Friday night. So you can watch both those shows if you want on Friday night and get yourself ready. For UFC 241. Uh, real quick, just want to say uh, apologies that we didn't get into the uh, and a half action after UFC on ESPN 14 in Uruguay. I wanted to do it, to be honest with you. I, I really want to get going on the and a half again. Uh, we were just really, really short this past weekend. I think I kind of tipped my hand at that before. We just had a lot of scheduling conflicts for whatever reason. I think, you know, it was the end of summer and everybody knew that uh, we weren't going to have uh, anybody on site in, in Uruguay so that does cut down on what we have to do because we don't have all the backstage video and audio but Simon Tomano, Matt Erickson, Dave Toyle they were all on vacation so uh, it ended up just being me, uh, Stephen Morocco, Mike Bond and Nolan King that were covering the event um, so I wanted to shout out to them because we were all stretching a little bit thin but uh, but but we pulled it off I'll hopefully uh, our coverage was still acceptable, but unfortunately, it was just so late by the time I got done working because it was kind of extended. I just, I just couldn't get to it. So, apologies for that. But uh, you know, I don't know that everybody was clamoring for post-fight content after that. Uh, the main event was not phenomenal. There's no, no question about it. It was, it was, you know, it was a phenomenal performance by Valentina Shevchenko. Very, very one-sided. It just wasn't an exciting fight. And you know, I think you have to put some blame on on both fighters there. I mean. Liz Carmouche, certainly you don't want to be reckless against Valentina Shevchenko. She will make you pay, and I think Liz Carmouche was doing well, and it was obvious that her corner, uh, you know, wanted her to perform in that manner. You know, they were telling her between rounds, hey, you did good. You know, you're not getting caught with anything. You're you're avoiding it. So, you know, it, it was obvious that they at least wanted to settle in and to, you know, not again, not get reckless, not make mistakes and get caught. Um but at some point, you have to engage, you know, and I think even Michael Bisping was talking about it on the commentary and, um, you know, not always an easy position to be in because, you know, you're going to get criticized afterwards or, you know, those you might hurt some feelings. But it was just true. Um, at some point, you, you got to know you're down, you know, two rounds, three rounds, four rounds, and, and you got to get something going. And, and I think Liz Carmouche, if she was being honest, would probably admit she was a little frustrated with her performance, um, just couldn't. You know, let it go. At some point, you do got to take some chances uh, if you're just, you know, if you're just letting a fight slide away because, you know, she's wanting to have a trilogy fight. She does on the win over Shevchenko. A lot was made of that in the lead up to it. So she's wanting to get a trilogy. But, I mean, let's be honest, how marketable would that be right now? I mean, Liz Carmouche is, is a stud, you know, and she's got her place in history. The first woman to step in the octagon, man, the, the crazy fight with Ronda Rousey where she almost changed the course of history with that choke. But nobody's going to be clamoring to see that fight again after the way it went down. So, uh, And unfortunately, that's on the challenger. That's on the challenger. So I think she's going to have a long road back to the top, at least as long as Valentina Shevchenko is champion, which, by the way, might be a while. I don't, I don't, I do not know who I would pick in that division against Valentina Shevchenko. She is so 
technically sound in everything she does. Really, really, really good. Uh, you know, listen, she's had a lot of decisions. I, I think, unfortunately, the you know the amazing knockout she had against Jessica I, you know, people wanted to see that again. But that's you know that's not going to happen every time out. And you know, if you go through Valentina Shevchenko's record, it's not loaded with you know just violent knockout after violent knockout. I mean. Her striking is phenomenal. She's certainly capable of winning fights, but you know she's gone to her share of decisions in the UFC as well. So, um, but she's just so technically sound, man. She is so, so good, and at a high level, it's 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 tough to finish people, you know. But I don't, I don't, man. I don't know if anybody's going to beat her for a while, at least not at, at 25. And you know, I've said it before about saving. I I almost feel like it's a, it's a disservice to call her the second best fighter. Uh, in the female game right now, you know, I feel like it's almost 1A and 1B with Amanda Nunes. I mean, Amanda Nunes is incredible, and of course, Amanda Nunes holds the wins over Shevchenko, but the fights are so close, and, and Shevchenko is so much naturally smaller competing at the lighter weight classes. So to go up in weight and to push somebody like that to the limit, man, I think you almost got to, again, it's 1A and 1B. Yes, you give Nunes the nod, but it's almost a disservice to say Shevchenko's number two. Uh, she's just that good, man. She's technically sound, but not the most thrilling fight ever. But she, I mean, she's remarkable in other ways. Obviously, she speaks at, uh, you know several languages, which is crazy, man. The amount of media she has to do on on uh, fight week is insane. I've seen it firsthand, and I don't think people probably give her enough credit and recognition for it because she ends up doing you know three times the amount of media that everybody else is doing because she does English media, uh, she does Spanish media, and then she does Russian media. Um, so she ends up doing, you know, quite a bit more than everybody else. So uh, not that I'm saying that that really impacted her performance, but just saying it's it's a way that helps her be more marketable and help her get her brand out there and more people know her. And of course, you know, she's uh, an interesting figure, man. Uh, the, the guns, you know, that she likes. Uh, you know, her social media is all about that. You know, and and uh, you know her dance that she does. I mean, she's she's marketable in other ways. Um, but you know, I think there are going to be some shares of decisions in her reign and. Man, I think that rain's going to last a while. Vicente Luque deserves credit, man. Absolutely deserves credit. Close fight. Close fight. I know a lot of people thought Mike Perry uh, won the fight. I did not think Mike Perry won the fight, um, but I probably wouldn't have had an issue with it going the other way. Uh, it was a, a close, close fight. Um, of course, of course, Mike Perry deserves credit. I mean, that guy is as fun as it gets. Platinum Mike Perry. We will sign up to watch him anytime, right? I mean, this guy... He puts on a show, man. Before the fight, he puts on a show. In the fight, he puts on a show. And, uh, man, hopefully that nose heals up and, and, and doesn't give him further issues because that was a bad-looking injury. I'm happy that they got to take home an extra 50 Gs for it. Um, but, yeah, Mike Perry is going to be a fan favorite for as long as he's competing. No question about it. But Vicente Luque deserves some credit, man. 10-1 and one in his last 11 fights, the only loss among that time. To to, uh, to Leon Edwards. I mean, come on, man. I know he's he's a silent assassin, so he doesn't talk a lot, you know. And he's not he's he's a respectable guy, man. He is not into trash talking. He's not gonna he's not going to get into trash talking. Um, but you 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 can't deny where he's at right now. Um, you know, it's it's uh, a unique situation because the rankings this week we put. Uh, Vicente Luque is number 14 
in the rankings. Originally, though, and, and, and I don't have a lot of problems. You know, George Garcia, Gorgeous Garcia from MMA Junkie Radio, which, by the way, is returning next week in, in podcast form. They're no longer doing two hours daily. They're just going to do uh, 30 minutes, I believe. It's going to be a tight show uh, twice a week in podcast form. So if you're a Junkie Radio fan, you're wondering what happened there. Kind of a change in format uh, to, to, to kind of get a little bit tighter. You know, that's uh, a little bit more focused. Uh, you know, they're putting out a ton of content a week, but there's so much content out there right now. Um, it's it's hard to get to all of it, so they decided to kind of uh, you know cook it down a little bit, concentrate a little bit. But uh, George Garcia handles our rankings, and initially he said, you know, let's just leave Luke as an honorable mention. I'm like, and and, and his case is trouble. I mean, there's so many good names at welterweight right now, and of course we don't just do UFC rankings. Um, you know, we do uh, the world rankings. So you know, we've got Rory McDonald in there, we've got Douglas Lehman in there, so they're taking up a couple of spots. Um, and then you just look at the names. I mean, Usman, Woodley, Covington, Masvidal, Askren, Till, Thompson, Edwards, RDA, Ponzinibbio, Maya, and then you get to Luque. And uh, originally we had uh, we, we brought Lawler down to 15, and, and we did have Larkin at 15 and Lawler at 14. We put in uh, Luque at 14. But it, I, I just say all that to say, you know, guy's 10-1 and in his past 11 fights, and we had to make a case for him to get in there because welterweight is so deep. But um, – yeah, man, you you, you got to pay attention to that guy. There's no question about it. So, uh, the rest of the card wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad card. Uh, Garagori picked up the the, the uh, decision win there over Bond and I. The the Uruguayan uh, just uh, brought the crowd to his feet. I got somebody hit me up. <laughs> I should quit saying it because somebody got mad at me. Because uh, he's born in Brazil, but he he was born in Brazil. And he lives in Brazil, but I guess they represent him as Uruguay. But I was reading more about the town where he lives, and I guess it's a town that's centered right on the border. And and I guess maybe you get naturalized into both or something. I don't know, but I, I just it cracked me up. Vulcan Uzdemir did pick up that much needed win over Iller Latifi, and uh, Vulcan needed that one bad, so was, was happy to see him get that. Not that you like to see Iller lose; he's one of the nicest guys ever. Uh, but was happy for Vulcan. Uh, Hadolfo Vieira picked up the submission win. Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu stud. I'm not sold on him yet. I, I, I mean, obviously his jiu-jitsu, there's no question. There's nothing to, to, to worry about there. But just I'm not 100% sold on his transition to MMA yet. He's going to be dangerous. He's going to be difficult. He's going to pick up some wins. Um, but I, 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 there's just something that I, I'm not quite ready to say, like, oh, this guy is, is surefire, you know, championship material. Is, is something in the striking, is, is gas tank. Um, you know, some of his approach in, in, in certain positions. So, uh, But definitely one to keep an eye on, as we said, going in. I, I still want to do that. Enrique Barzola picked up a hard-fought win over Bobby Moffitt. Like I said, I always like watching Barzola fight. Gilbert Burns looked good in his win over Alexi Kunchenko. Big win, uh, big week for the, the Burns family. Cyril Ghosn uh, got the, the big debut. Marina Rodriguez, man, I, I wish I'd made more. You know, I was talking to Gorgeous George, actually, funny enough, about it. He, he, he's like, pick a couple underdogs you think are going to win. And I thought Marina Rodriguez had a really good chance to win this fight. She is somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, she is definitely somebody to watch. Rosario Bontarine, Holly and Paiva, we said that was going to be a great fight. It was shaping up to be a great fight, man. It was a damn shame that that cut ended it so early in the first round, but that was the right call. That was a nasty cut. That was shaping up to be a lot of fun. Uh, Chris Gutierrez picked up a, a split decision win there. Alex De Silva won as well. Uh, and Veronica Maceda with the, uh, the the big upset submission over Pollyanna Viana. So not a bad card. It was it was entertaining to me. Uh, but like I said, uh, I, I couldn't do an and a half. But I don't, I don't know that a ton of people were just clamoring to talk about this card afterwards. So maybe it worked out okay. After that, we ended up doing uh, 
contender series on Tuesday night as we have been. Uh, it was one, what, there's three or two left after this, one of the last three. So, um, fun night. It was it was another good night. The first fight, uh, Julius Anglitska started out really, really slow with the win over Carl Reed. That wasn't a great fight. Tony Gravely, that guy looks like the real deal, man. Uh, he made it in. Super nice guy, man. Talking to him, incredibly well-spoken. Um, you know, wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, has suffered some losses along the way, but they were, you know, they were losses to big names. And um, he looks prepared, man. He looks like the real deal. He deserves to be, and I think he's going to make an impact. Um, keep an eye on Tony Gravely, man. I, I like him a lot. Sarah Alpar made her way in as well. She's going to have to drop down to the women's flyweight division. She's tough. She's gritty. I'm anxious to see uh, her size and and kind of her speed if that proves to be an issue. Uh, but she certainly showed her toughness there. Shannon Young was was favored, and Sarah Alpar picked up the, the uh, upset submission win, and she actually had some success on the feed as well. So uh, tough, to say the least. Brock Weaver stole the show, though. If you didn't watch this kid, if you're not watching the Contender Series, go check out Brock Weaver. The fight was fun, uh, but what was even more fun was his his, his interview after his his impassioned speech to Dana White. It was phenomenal. We brought him back in the back and talked to him as well. The kid has personality, man. He is great. And found out afterwards uh, he, he's a, uh, a an FRM guy. He's a, an Abe Kawa guy. So um, that's good because that's a great management firm there, man. So they, they will definitely be looking out for him. Uh, but the fight was good, man. He's tough as nails. You can tell he likes to scrap. And it was interesting, too, because I loved his explanation. So he likes to scrap, but you could see – that he was having a lot of success on the feet with Devin Smith, but he was he was spending a lot of time um, kind of in the clinch and in tight tighter than I thought he should be because he was having some real success on the feet. And we asked him about that afterwards, and he had a great explanation. He said, "Listen, uh, you know, I knew I could be successful in there, but I knew when I pulled away that Devin Smith had a really good shot from range. You know, his takedown was good from range, so I had to stay in close um, to make sure that he didn't have the ability to have that distance and to get under me." And take me down. And I thought that was a great answer because to me it looked like he wasn't being positionally aware of where he was having success and where he wasn't. Um, so to hear that, yes, he's a scrapper and yes, he likes to grind, but there was some intelligent decision making in there in the middle of a battle as well. Um, I thought that was phenomenal. But yeah, Brock Weaver, absolute show stealer. And then William Knight, uh, good dude as well, man. Nolan King had written a good story on him about how he had dealt with you know, uh, some things growing up and, and kind of what led him here. And it just seems like a great character. Uh, but he was having a hard time uh, against Hurtum Alechebek, uh, but found a way to come back in the third round. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great comeback win. And he gets the developmental deal, and I loved his attitude about that. You know, it's like, hey, you know, what do you, what do you think? And right away he says, man, I think this is a great thing for me. He's like, I – you know, I, I wanted this opportunity, but I know I got to work on my game. I know I got to round some things out. And being in the UFC right now might not be the best thing in the world for me, so I'm happy. Um, and so to have the maturity to realize that, that, man, you're this close to the UFC, but you want that time to mature, man, I, I, I got to respect that. It was a little wild inside the, um, in the, inside the apex. It's the first time we've seen this. Uh, you know, the, the family is in there. Of course, it was the same at the old Ultimate Fighter gym, um, but – the uh, I guess it was Hurtum's. I don't know. I guess his girlfriend or his fiance or his wife. I don't know what it is, but I mean, it was obviously his significant other. Um, but she would not stay in her seat, and you know, understandably, you know, it's it's hard to watch someone you care about, to watch someone you love in that case. So I'm definitely not uh, questioning her her motives or her actions. But bottom line is, you know, she wasn't a licensed cornerman. Uh, she was just in the, in the crowd. 
and she kept kind of impeding on the cage and like getting up to the cage to try to yell words of encouragement. It was in a foreign language. She's Swedish. I couldn't understand what they were, what she was yelling, but it, it seemed like words of encouragement, you know, um, from body language. But you know, the commission, the UFC, everybody kept telling her to sit down, uh, both in the second round and the third round. I I thought maybe. Um, they they might end up escorting her out. They were getting frustrated. So uh, yeah, it was kind of a kind of wild to see, man. It's whew, that is that is one thing I don't think people realize, man. You know those those the atmosphere in there. It's wild because it's really quiet because there's not many people. And not only is there not a lot of people, but in the Apex versus the old Tough Gym, the Apex is like a you know a multi million dollar sound stage. So the the sound they've got all this like sound dampening equipment so that it's a you know it's a perfect studio or whatever so that makes it even more quiet like the cheers and stuff it makes it more quiet whereas in the old tough jam it used to kind of reverberate off the walls and the you know the metal doors and all that so you don't get so it's it's quiet even though people are, are cheering but man you got the friends and the family there and uh, it's so intense because you know you're watching your loved one's dream either be made or taken away and this in this case. You know, heard him look like he was en route to to a win and a UFC deal, and then it's all taken away from him in the third round by this amazing comeback. And man, to just see the the the, the look, and, and I guess one of the reasons too is they, they weren't sitting where they were supposed to be. Uh, they they were sitting kind of in the media section, so it was literally just unfolding right in front of us. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's uh, man, it's a, it's a reminder of what's at stake for these people. You know, kind of what's on the line. So uh, anyway, we spoke to USC President Dana White afterwards. Uh, of course, we talked about a lot of contender stuff, but I, I edited that out. We just let's start to look to 241. We talked to him about some 241 stuff, and uh, I figured you might be more apt to want to hear that. So here's what USC President Dana White had to say to me and the rest of the media following the Contender Series event. How are you feeling about Saturday night? It's going to be the biggest card of the year? Yeah, I'm so pumped for that card. Yeah, I'm really excited for that card. Uh, we were going through, we had a matchmaking meeting today, and, uh, you know, you just start looking through that main card, it's fucking ridiculous. And then, you know, how many guys are actually from the Contender Series that, you know, that are in all these cards that are coming up. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive. John Jones is kind of interjecting himself into fight week already. Do you think... Uh, there's a possibility he takes what, on the winner. What did he do? He's, he's jabbing at Cormier, obviously, saying he doesn't think there'll be a third fight. He doesn't want to face those demons again and won't get down to a five. And just, <laughs> you know, messing with him the way he does. Yeah, yeah. No, hey, listen, I think that, you know, I've been asked many times about that fight. Do I think that fight needs to happen? I don't. But do I think it should? And do I think people want it? Absolutely. Why would they do it at heavyweight? Because that seems to be the most interesting. John, I, I want that fight at heavyweight so bad. They won't do it. Not only will, as John said no, Cormier has said no. Because Cormier doesn't want to beat him at heavyweight. And then, and I was just like, listen, if you beat him at heavyweight, you can fight him at 205 again. <laughs> we'll probably watch that fight 10 times if you guys want to fight 10 times. So, uh, yeah, they, they won't do it. And listen, when you look at, I'm, I'm, I got John Jones, who's the greatest ever. You got Cormier, also one of the greatest ever, you know, both been champions forever. I'm not going to fucking fight with them, man. If they, if they want to fight at 205, I'm not going to argue with them. Yeah. Whatever. The, you know, two of the biggest kings ever in the history of the sport. I'm, that's what they want. That's what they get. The last thing for me, I just want to ask you about Nate Diaz being back. Looking at the metrics, all the numbers, it seems like, I mean, that fight's as big of a focus as the main event is. I mean, how excited are you having back? And are you, are you, do, you, do you worry at all that Nate will do something weird in the last week? No, no. Listen, it's funny. I did this interview the other day about Nate and, and Nate's one of these guys that um, 
he has this personality where it's like he's saying fuck you to the man but he never really says fuck you to the man you know what i mean every time i'm around nate nate's a good kid and i've always had a had a good relationship with nate as far as personally goes you know a personal relationship with him you know he's he, he's, he's tough to deal with on the business side but personally he's a good guy um and whatever you want to say about the diaz brothers when they say they're going to fight they sign the bout agreement and they actually you know they show up and they fight so i i don't see any problems and uh you know the 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 romero costa fight is another you know huge fight that i mean that was supposed to be a main event on another card at one point in time so uh yeah this card's awesome man you think we'll get a ds connor trilogy at some point i don't know that i don't know see how saturday goes and then see how september goes and then we'll see what happens with connor Dean, I can't remember if you've said it, but with the Zufa boxing coming out, is there plans to have a boxing show like the Contender Series or anything along those um, lines? Yeah, I wouldn't say, you know, like the Contender Series, but yeah, I, we'll, we'll end up doing something, 100%, yeah. I don't know what or how or where or anything yet, but I, I would bet yes. And Zufa boxing will of course be on ESPN+. Plus. <laughs> that I don't know yet either. Um, <laughs> that I don't know yet. I hope so. That would be awesome. We'll see. There's always been fighters in the UFC that have mentioned wanting to box. Would you allow, would you have some of your UFC fighters fight on their super boxing? Prob probably not. I mean, I don't love it. Boxers are boxers and MMA fighters are MMA fighters. Um, you know, if, if there was ever a special situation where it was so huge and everybody wanted to see it and everybody wanted to do it, like Connor and Mayweather, I'm not saying that I would say no, but I'd, I'd, I'd prefer everybody stay in their own lane. Um, also, Henry Cejudo says he wants to be the first intergender <laughs> champ. Will you rank up his uh, matchmaking skills, particularly calling out Shevchenko? That's the wackiest shit I've ever heard. It's <laughs> <laughs> just fucking crazy that he would even say that. Um, he yeah. wants to fight, but Valentino probably do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know how to respond to that or what to say. Other than wow, who do you put your money on? Huh? Who do you put your money <laughs> on? <laughs> I I can't even fucking wrap my brain around that. Why he would say that? It's just crazy. But what are you gonna do? Dana, um, just before you go, uh, talking about this weekend, what you know, you've been a part of so many great fights at this point. Uh, what still gets your juices flowing for a really good card? What makes a good card? Ah, fuck me. I, I I love the fight business so much. I love. I love it so much that I'm actually going to get into boxing and do more work. I don't know how that's going to be possible, but um, I, I literally could do this every day, Monday through Sunday. I could do this every day. Um, I love when you find young talent that, are, you know, when, when you look at what this show really is about and these people come in and it's one night, you get one shot to lay it all on the line and fucking show everybody who you are, what your name is, and, and, and what you, it's, there's nothing better than this. And if you're a fight fan, seriously, there's nothing better than, than this show and these fights. It really is the best. Until, you know, you get a card like Saturday with big names in big fights where everything's on the line and, and, and you know, like Stipe and Cormier. The way that first fight went for the heavyweight title, you got a guy in Stipe who had defended the title more times than ever. Then you got a guy like Cormier, who's just one of the baddest dudes ever 
in the history of the world. I mean, think about this guy. Was undefeated at heavyweight, moves down to um, light heavyweight because his friend is Cain Velasquez and he doesn't want to, you know, there to be anything, you know, with him messing with Cain's division. And he comes in and cleans out the light heavyweight division and only loses to John Jones, who is the greatest. I mean, you just couldn't write this shit. It's so good, you couldn't write it. Love it. President Dana White talking about UFC 241 and, and some other items as well. Um, I, I like the answer there on on John Jones and Daniel Cormier explaining why you know DC has said he doesn't want to do it at heavyweight. You know, obviously not that we're looking past DC and Stipe Miocic um, because Stipe could absolutely win this fight. Man, he is motivated. Uh, he's he's dangerous. Uh, he certainly got the ability to do it. But I think everybody. I, I kind of feel like it's win or lose. People want to see DC uh, Jones a third time. And I'm in that boat, but I'm the same way, man. I don't want to see it at 205. I want to see it at heavyweight. And I can respect the hell out of Daniel Cormier for saying that he wants to do it at light heavyweight. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like Conor McGregor in the rematch with Nate Diaz, right? I mean, he's saying, uh, no, I, I don't want to change the terms. I need it to be on those same terms, and I need to succeed there. I need to show that I can do it there. Not by making him, you know, follow some other set of circumstances. So um, I can respect the hell out of that from DC. Uh, it just shows you the type of character, the type of man that he has. But I want to see it at heavyweight. I really do. And if DC wins this fight over Steve Amiocic, I want to see John Jones move up, and I want to see it at heavyweight. That's the fight I want to see. And that's and. I, to be honest, I really think that I think John Jones knows that, and I think that's why he's been kind of slow playing it. I mean, he's mentioned a couple times, right? Hey, man, USC just needs to break out the money. You know, he's, he's like, well, I don't know if I'm interested. I don't know. But, I mean, if they're going to pay me. And so I, I think it's, you know, a little bit of a negotiation from John Jones, and probably for that part, DC as well. DC's, ah, you know, I got all the money I need. I'm good. They've taken care of me. I got announcing now, broadcasting. I'm good. I think they know it's a big money fight. Um, if. DC wins this fight. I want to see it at heavyweight. Now, if Stipe wins, I mean, would John Jones go up to heavyweight for that? I mean, that's cool too. I mean, this is the the champ champ era, right? This, that's how you uh, that's how you, you you mark yourself. I mean, I, I think a lot of people already believe John is the greatest of all time, but certainly winning a heavyweight title would add to that. But you know, at that point, it's more just about accomplishment than heat, than than real rivalry, than you know the madness that would be a trilogy at the heavyweight fight. So. Um, yeah, I, 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 if Stipe wins this fight, you know, I don't need to see Jones move up. But if DC wins, break out the money, man. <laughs> break out the money. Back up the Brinks truck, Dana White, and let's get this fight done at heavyweight. You say you say your job is to make the fight that people want to see. Well, people want to see this fight. I mean, he said himself, I want to see this fight. Uh so I, I think we, we may be in, in, in for a big payday for both those guys if we can do it. Uh, Nate Diaz. He said, you know, happy to have Nate Diaz back, said uh, said Dana White. Understandably so, man. I can tell you as a website operator, and it's not hard. I mean, you guys can look at YouTube views and whatever else, but everything on our side is showing the same thing. The metrics indicate the interest is Nate Diaz, man. He is the one moving the needle on this card more than anything else. Um, I was told by USC officials last night, I tweeted it out, but that the gate should be over $3 million 
for this car. It'll be the biggest gate ever for a California event. And Nate Diaz is the one getting the clicks. There's no doubt about it, man. He is the one getting it. Now, he didn't show up for Media Day today. Media Day is actually uh, going on in California right now. He did not show up for it as, as I'm sitting down to record this. Um, PR told our guys that, hey, Dana was aware of this. Dana approved it. No big deal. But they did say, well, by the way, when we were in the building, we saw there was a, a, a position set up for Nate Diaz. So, you know, possibly maybe it just didn't get communicated to the people on the ground that were setting up the event. Or possibly it was very, very last second that Nate decided he wasn't going. I know which way I'm leaning. <laughs> uh, but no big deal, right? I mean, Nate Nate made the impact. As you said, it didn't have to go to the, as, as Nick called it, the beauty pageant way back in the day, right, of the press conference and the media day. I mean, Nate did a, a scrum the other day. He certainly uh, made all kinds of headlines and views by smoking a, 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 a CBD joint on stage. I mean, how much more Diaz does he get than that? Smoking a CBD joint during the middle of his open workouts on stage in front of everybody. Uh, God bless him, man. The, the guys are stars. Uh, this is not an easy fight with Anthony Pettis, man. I, I actually, when the staff picks, I picked Anthony Pettis. I mean, coming back from this long on the sidelines uh, and then coming up against a guy who seems to be regaining some form, especially at 170, uh, this is a tough, tough fight for Nate Diaz. But uh, win or lose, man, that guy has a legion of loyal, loyal fans. Um, that conversation with Danny, we did ask about the Diaz-Connor trilogy. Um of course, Dana said, look, we got to figure out what happens with this fight. we got to see what happens with September, meaning, of course, the title fight in Abu Dhabi, and then we go from there. Should be said, I guess, that these questions were asked before we saw this video that came out today of <sighs> Connor slapping a, an older guy in a bar. Like, oh, man. You know, all, all you can go on is, is what's said in the video, and or what you can see on the video, I should say. You can't tell what's said. Um and as we always know, you know, there's two sides to every story, and then there's the truth right in the middle of it. Um, I, maybe there's some kind of extenuating circumstances here, but I don't know what would justify that type of action from Connor, man. And it sucks to see. It sucks to see, man. Uh, such a, a an amazing fighter. And if he's done, man, if he's done, be done. That's okay, man. That's okay. He's made so much money. God, man, he lived the dream. Came from Plumber's Apprentice to $100 million payday with Floyd Mayweather. God bless. And now, you know, by all accounts, making good money as well with this proper 12. So it's not like that's a losing investment. You know, parlayed his money into something that's making more money. Good for him. But just all oh, these incidents, man, it's disappointing. Uh, for what it's worth, Steve Morocco did check in with the Ireland police over there, but as I'm sure everybody is well aware by now, the Ireland uh, police laws are very, very strict, and they will say absolutely nothing. So, um, ah, just frustrating to see. Frustrating to see, and it sucks because it's not like he's going to get in. I mean, the guy's not going to get any trouble for it. It's not like, oh, man, did you see what Connor did? He's going to jail now. Nah, he ain't going to jail. He's got high-priced lawyers. Uh, he's going to be just fine. Now, you could get to a situation where, you know, the U.S. decides not to issue him a visa or something like that, so you have to fight overseas. Um, but let's be honest, the type of money he generates, they'll, they'll give him a visa. It's just, it's not that, man. It's 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 not going to impede on his ability to compete if he so chooses. 
It just sucks to see, man. You know, it's a, it's a guy you wanted to cheer for at one point. How could you not cheer for it? And he still obviously has a lot of fans, but it's just like, come on, man. That's not the type of behavior we want to see. So, like I said, don't know what, if anything else, happened to, to help, you know, fuel that incident, but I can't imagine many scenarios that would make me go, oh, oh, well, yeah, of course Connor slapped the guy then, you know? <laughs> ah, it's unfortunate to see. Um I guess last thing uh, from the, the Dana conversation there, I did leave in the part about the Zufa boxing as well. I know there's still not concrete plans on that, but just something to think about. You know, when you ask, is it going to be on ESPN Plus? And he says, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. That's another revenue stream for the UFC. You know, and that's something to think about too. This is another TV deal that they are going to conjure up out of out of thin air, basically. You know what? What do you do? All right, well, we sold we sold our digital rights. We sold our pay-per-view rights. How do we increase our revenue again? I mean, there's nowhere else to sell. I mean, they've got international deals everywhere. And I think people forget about that a lot. I mean, we talk about the big billion-dollar contract in the, in the U.S., as you should. That's, that's the biggest contract by far of all of them. But don't forget, there's countries all over the world that are all paying their own distribution deal. They are generating mad revenue all over the world. But they still got debt, right? I mean, they bought the company for $4 billion. So how do we come up with another revenue stream? Poof. Zufa boxing out of thin air, man. And, and that, I'm not saying it's all a money ploy. Dana loves boxing. I mean, that, he goes to boxing fights. He follows them. He loves boxing. This is a, a passion project for him. But it's also going to be a money project for the UFC and for Zufa. So um, kind, of, kind of crazy to think about that. I mean, what if, I mean, what, what if they get ESPN Plus to pay another... 500 million or some crazy. I don't know what it's going to be worth. I, mean, I don't even know who they're going to have yet. But it's it's amazing to think that they could find a way to to do that too. So, uh, listen, we'll get to um, a little bit more of uh, of USC 241 in just a moment. But uh, again, I'm, I'm I'm hyped about this kinetic event. Uh, I I like the the grappling concept. I really do. The team grappling concept to me is fun. I will definitely be watching it after. Uh, my event that I'm commentating, Cage Fury Fighting Championships on Friday night. Uh, but I had a chance to talk to Uriah Faber about his role in it and kind of what he's doing. And then we asked, of course, about his fighting career and also had to ask about Henry Cejudo as well, right? <laughs> Should say, by the way, uh, left in a little part here of the of the uh, conversation starting with Uriah Faber, you'll hear the lovely voice of Stephanie from the UFC who was helping making this happen. Uh, we were having some technical difficulties. We spent about 10 minutes Connecting, disconnecting, reconnecting, disconnecting, connecting, reconnecting. So uh, if you're wondering what the hell is going on in the first part, uh, that, that it, there was no way for me to clip it out in the first part of me and Uriah's conversation to make sense. So I just left it in. That's what happened here. We, we, we struggled, but we made it happen. Here's Uriah Faber. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, I'm conferencing it right now before we lose this. <laughs> Sounds good. Can you hear us still? Yes, I can hear you. <laughs> Uriah, how are you doing, sir? <laughs> I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm good, man. Quite the adventure, but I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, my pleasure, man. So talk to me about why you got into this, man. I know you got a lot of uh, businesses, and, hell, your fighting career is still going now, too. I mean, uh, had you ever promoted shows before, or why'd you, why'd you want to get into an organization like this? So uh, I've got a great friend, Keith Belcher, who's the uh, my partner on this thing, and he actually has been having – you know, a lot of success in the Roy Jones Jr. boxing promotions he's done for years. And and uh, he's also got a bunch of other businesses that we've done business together in the past. And he's been working on this for a while. And when he came on 
uh, and, and wanted me as, as, as an expert and a partner, it was kind of a no-brainer. I mean, it's one of my passions, first and foremost, grappling uh, competition in general. And I've had so much fun competing in Quintet and Polaris and, and Shale's show out of, uh, out of Oregon. Um, and I feel like more opportunities for these, these grapplers to make a living doing what they're doing and then also creating a, an event that can be not only fun, lucrative and have potential to really grow and scale is, is exciting for me. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm coming on to do my part and I've got great partners with a great concept and, and I'm excited to, to be a part of it. Yeah, no doubt. You mentioned Quintet. Obviously, this is, uh, you know, similar to Quintet, but kind of like the evolution of it, I guess I would say. So I- I'm curious what you thought kind of the best changes or the best little tweaks that you guys made that you think are going to make it, you know, even more fun than Quintet is. You know, uh, you know they worked with, with uh, UFC Fight Pass on, on what they thought would be would be ideal in addition to the experts that, that Keith has. And so there are a lot of similarities. I think the one thing that is kind of interesting is you have 10 seconds for the team leader to put out his next opponent. So that kind of puts a, a different type of element um, into the mix where you can change at the last minute. Uh, also, there's no changes of the, of the time limit. So it's not like a, a weight thing where it's, it's four minutes if, if the weight is this amount and it's, and it's eight minutes if this amount. It's just one time limit. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, aside from that, we're going to keep tweaking this thing and making it making it better, and and listening to the, to the fans and the and the competitors and, and see what we can do. I, I think there could be a lot of different ways this can get spliced. It is a developmental thing, and and uh, so we're we're constantly tweaking. Yeah, no doubt. The, the the team selection thing, like you said, man, I think that's going to be wild. I know you don't have to you don't have to worry about it since you're not a team captain, but have you thought about it all, like how that's going to work? I mean, do you think guys are going to be trying to figure out what the other person's doing or, or is 10 seconds not enough time to really look over there and see who's who's suiting up? Or do you think they'll they'll fake walk somebody forward or whatever? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by this to see how it plays out. Well, you know what happens, especially with a guy like Chael Sonnen in the mix, all sorts of stuff could happen. You know, like <laughs> people will think of new stuff. When I play Monopoly, uh, the rules are always changing. You're making side deals and this deal and that deal, and people are complaining about this and that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what comes out of the woodwork. This is a new concept. So um, as far as what could happen, the sky's the limit. Uh, I think for sure, you know, not being able to really think ahead of what the lineup will be is, is kind of cool. And it may be positive, maybe negative, you know, because – when you're putting guys out there in the spur of the moment, you don't necessarily know how the big picture is going to play out. Right. When you're sitting broad and saying, okay, I'm going to put this guy and this guy and this guy in you, and you put your your uh, your guys out there ahead of time, that's like set in stone. So this is going to make it even more interesting, and, and some people will be able to, to, to think on the fly, and some people won't. And I think that's going to be part of the, the outcome. Yeah, no question. Did, did I read right that you're going to be doing, like, backstage interviews? And if so, are you – I don't want to say nervous. I mean, you, you're fighting a cage for a living, but it's a, it's a different role, right? I mean, is this is this something kind of a, a little exciting for you? Yeah, it'll be fun. It's different. You know, I wear a lot of hats and, and uh, doing backstage, behind-the-scenes 
you know, interviews should be fun. I think, uh, you know, I've got some good rapport with some of the guys and some guys I don't know at all. So um, that's always that's always interesting. No question. Well, listen, it's been about a month since you fought, man. You said, you you know, you wear a lot of hats. Give me the take, man. A, a month afterwards, are you are you happy to be dad at home again and enjoying that life? Or are you, or, or did that itch come back and now you're like, oh, we got to get another fight booked? Man, I'm not in a rush, which is kind of ironic because I'm you know, not getting any younger. <laughs> but uh, there's some interesting things happening, you know. We've got uh, – I mean, I feel amazing still. I, I've been keeping the weight off and staying in good shape, and so – um, it's one of those things where I, I, I could take a fight on short notice or I could just wait it out for the right opportunity. And, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just, uh, just kind of living day to day by day, staying busy and hanging out with my baby and, um, you know, feeling very confident. That's for sure. I feel like I can beat anybody in the world. And so that's always good. What do you think about, uh, Cejudo calling out Valentina Shevchenko yesterday? What's, what's that about? <laughs> Wait, what happened? <laughs> I think he was having a little fun, but he got on social media with a video, and he said, hey, Valentina Shevchenko, they say you're the most dominant champion in the world. I'm, I'm coming for you. I want to be the first intergender champion in UFC history. <laughs> oh, typical cringe, man. He lives it. It's a lifestyle choice. <laughs> no doubt about it. All right, man. Well, listen. We'll uh, we'll hopefully we we'll see the fighting career. But first up, it's kinetic. Uh, what what's your pitch, right? I mean, this is a new organization. You know, there's a lot of stuff uh, on Fight Pass already, and uh, you know, m maybe people think they're only MMA fans, not grappling fans. So, what's your pitch, man? Why why should people tune in to watch this? Well, first off, you know, if you're there in Anaheim, make sure you show up and 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 uh, get there in person. It's going to be a lot of faces, familiar faces. Myself, Paige Van Zandt, Kale Sonnen, and the list goes on of, of well-known competitors in the mixed martial arts world. But, guys, this is one of the cornerstones to mixed martial arts. This is strangulation. This is war. This is almost like football. Football is like a simulation of war. Basketball is a simulation of war. you got a team of people trying to stop someone to get into their territory. Uh, this is like real soldiers, top soldiers on the planet, going in to finish and reign supreme, uh, the other competitors in the planet. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be unique. Uh, there'll be a lot of, of uh, big names there, and uh, don't miss out. That was the California kid. By the way, should, I, I should say, if you like what you're hearing, and I hope you do, Make sure you do us a favor. Make sure that you're in iTunes, that you log in, that you subscribe. Rate us if you can. Five stars. We'd appreciate that five stars. Leave us some feedback. I love hearing comments, man. I love I love hearing people, uh, what they think, uh, how long they've been listening, all that good stuff. So uh, it helps us a lot, too. So if you, if you wouldn't mind doing that, uh, that would be great. Like I said, go in there, rate us, review us, leave us some feedback. Tell other people about us. Tell, us, tell them it's a good podcast. Uh, I'm not the greatest at self-promotion sometimes. I'm a little embarrassed to do it if I'm being honest with you. So if you could help, that'd be great. <laughs> all right, you're right, Faber. Uh, all right, so listen, you know, you heard him talking about, hey, I've been wor I worked with the people on Fight Pass. You know, we kind of developed this concept. Um, I can confirm that to be true, you know, that they kind of, uh, you know, helped develop this idea of, of modifying the quintet rules a little bit, kind of developing what quintet had built. Because quintet, uh, while they, they still have a relationship with Fight Pass, I guess they were kind of set in their ways of the way they wanted to do things. Um, and so, you know, this kind of that gave a new opportunity for somebody else to come in that was willing to develop the concept a little bit, and that's what they did. Um, 
So, you know, some of the changes, uh, the teams in Quintet, the, the order, the lineup was set. Um, and so once the lineup was done, that's that. Now it's it's not, you know, it's, 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 out, it's out of order. You can just pick any guy. Everybody has to go, but you can pick anybody to go next. So it's going to create for some mismatches when somebody puts their small guy in against somebody else's big guy. Um, you know, it's it, it, that's fun. Uh, and, and it's going to be kind of on the fly. It'll create some tension. Instead of in Quintet, you knew exactly who was coming next. You knew exactly what fight was up next. This is going to be live action all the time changing. So I think that's going to be good. Um, but the thing that stands out to me is, you know, one of the reasons Fight Pass wanted to get involved is because the numbers have been good for grappling on Fight Pass. And uh, I think, to me, that is great for fighters because that is an opportunity for them to pick up more paychecks along the way without having to be... Um, involved in actual fights, which of course your body can only take so many actual mixed martial arts fights. Um, so to have the opportunity to compete and make some paychecks uh, in, in grappling competitions I think is, is phenomenal. So uh, excited for that one. Alright, listen, UFC 241, what a damn car. There's a reason that I'm going to be sleep deprived and taking my ass to Anaheim, California because I want to be there for this card. Uh, of course, the main, the co-main, we're getting all the attention Paulo Costa, Yoel Romero, a fight that to me, I don't want to say it's going under the radar because there is ink on it. You know, people are writing stories about it. There's no question. Um, it's a big fight in the middleweight division. Of course, these are two big, strong dudes at middleweight. But I do feel like because of the 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 looming shadow of Nate Diaz, Paulo Costa versus Yoel Romero is not getting talked about enough. Um, I, I I think this is a phenomenal fight. I ended up picking Paulo Costa in this fight. Just because I feel like at some point Yoel Romero has to get old, at some point you have to pass the torch. Um, but but I don't know, man. Yoel is just an absolute freak of nature, man. His fights with Whitaker were insane. I just to me, I feel like Paulo Costa is going to be able to keep the flow. Uh, you know, Yoel has to be very patient in the way he works. He's proven that, right? In order to keep himself from gassing out with the, you know all the muscle weight that he carries. He has to kind of pick his spots and go in spurts. And and Paulo does a little bit similar, but not quite the same. You know, I think he can keep a more forward pressure. He can keep the pace. I think he's got um, some, some fantastic speed to go along with it. So um, I lean towards Paulo Costa here. But Paulo's the underdog. Um, and, and I think, uh, the, understandably so, Manuel is an absolute beast. So that's a good fight that's definitely not getting enough attention. Uh, you heard Dana mention in there as well, Sadiq Youssef. Uh, I am, I am pumped about Sadiq here as well. Sadiq uh, is somebody that I followed on his way up on the regional scene, and he's got uh, some, some real skills, um, and now he's shown it at, at the, the highest level. This could be you know, kind of a breakout moment for him. Um, it's someone that if you haven't been watching, you definitely need to keep your eye on. Um, and another part of this African invasion, man, you know, African MMA continues to put more and more quality products out there. Uh, you know, inching towards a day when maybe they can have a, a fight over there on the continent of Africa. Um, and Sadiq Youssef is one of those guys. So a big moment for him. And then Derek Brunson versus Ian Heinish. Uh, another one here. And I actually went with Heinish in this one. Um, where you know, going with the, kind of the upstart. Um, this could be a big breakout moment for Heinish. Um, of course, he is a contender series guy as well. Um, well documented, the incredible story that, that he had about being locked up in prison and um, you know, has had some big wins. I mean, to come in from the Contender Series and to beat Cesar Mutanch and Antonio Carlos Jr. in back-to-back -back fights, that's an impressive start to your UFC career. Now you're at Derek Brunson. That is a quick walk up the ladder for Ian Heinish, but um, a big, big moment for him. So this main card, 
I love this main card. I think it's a, a fantastic main card. And I think there's some great fights on the prelims as well. Devontae Smith looks like a, a, a fast-rising talent. Now, he ended up getting three different opponents, so he's facing a newcomer in Kama Worthy. Um, respect to Kama for stepping in here on short notice. Devontae, definitely the guy to watch here, but, you know, you always wonder. I mean, we, we give credit to the person that steps in on short notice. Don't forget, even the guy that was scheduled is now getting rated for you on short notice. That can be problematic for them. Uh, but Devontae Smith looks like a very, very talented prospect. Rafael Sunsal versus Corey Sanhagen. Another one. Rafael Sunsal, the perennial contender. Corey Sanhagen, the up-and-comer. Is he for real or is he as good as, as we are high on him? I don't know. Let's find out. You know, if he is, if Sanhagen can beat Sunsal, you're knocking right there at the top. And, man, that bantamweight division is, is deep with some killers as well. Christos Giagos versus Drocker Close. That could be a fun fight. And then Manny Bermudez versus Casey Kenny. I, I, I like that one as well. Uh, you know, Manny Bermuda's the undefeated record. Casey Kinney, a very impressive career record as well. So, uh, nice start to the prelims. In the early prelims, Hannah Seifers versus Jody Escobel. Brandon Davis versus Kyung Ho Kang, which I think has a fun fight written all over that one. Davis, Kyung Ho Kang is the class of those early prelims uh, from my money. Although I do like watching Hannah Seifers fight, man. She <laughs> she is something else, man. And these are these are... Two very small, two very tiny young ladies that are going to be going at it. But Hannah Seifers, like I, I almost hope that she wins just because she has, to, just so she has to do an interview. And I mean that not against Jody Escabel, uh, not rooting for her as well. She's been in the game for a long time and deserves good things. But Hannah Seifers is so scared to talk and so timid. Uh, but it is not the way she fights. Uh, so that's gonna be crazy. But like I said, Brandon Davis versus Kyung Ho King. I think that's gonna be a lot of fun. And then Shannon Dobson versus Sabina Mazzo. Uh, you know, if you're somebody that watches LFA and, and, and uh, you, you keep an eye on that scene coming up, of course, she had the back-to-back -back head kick knockouts before she came into the UFC. Uh, lost a decision to a very tough Marina Morose when she came in, but uh, she has certainly got some skill. Didn't look great that night, but um, certainly has some abilities. So uh, fun fights, really, really fun fights, and I'm, I am uh, definitely looking forward to being there uh, on Saturday. Uh, it'll be weird. I, I've never done this where I've just come in on fight night and not been part of the pre-fight coverage all week. Of course, I've been watching all the guys. Uh, they've got everything covered at MMA Junkie. you got everything you need, but uh, it be a new experience for me, So, uh, I'm, but I'm kind of anxious to do it. Uh, all right, listen, uh, one other conversation I had, it was a quick one. Uh, Paige Van Zandt had a chance to speak with her. Of course, like I said, she'll be on the mic for Kinetic UFC Fight Pass Friday night. Uh, it was funny because I think we ended up running like uh, 45 minutes late. Uh, and so we had to keep things uh, very, very quick, uh, but, but but we did, and uh, hopefully uh, hopefully it was worth it. Got a little quick little update from uh, from Paige and got her thoughts on her on her her job as well as her uh, uh, you know uh, career fighting career and, and uh, what's going on with the update. So this is uh, this is Paige Van Zandt. Paige, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy, so we'll keep it brief. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks. Well. Talk about this commentating thing. I mean, I thought it was just going to be kind of a one-off, but you're you're starting to do this quite a bit. What uh, what are your what are your thoughts on the, your experience, kind of doing this new job role? Oh yeah, for sure. I knew it wouldn't be a one-off for me. I kind of have always known I would be do well in the commentating role. Of course, it's something I'm working at. I'm actively going to get better. The more the more and more and more I commentate, the better it's going to get. But I loved being able to be a part of the M1 Global with Sean Wheelock, and we kind of had a really good vibe going. We were able to commentate well together. He gave me awesome pointers, and I'm excited he called me back to commentate on his show, this submission grappling tournament going on. 
And I feel like this is just going to be even better for me because I know the players in the game. I know who I'm commentating for. I, you know, know them all individually and how awesome and talented they are. So I'm excited I get to commentate for uh, really legends. You know, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a very, very exciting card. Yeah, no question about it. It's it's a fun concept. I mean, uh, this this team grappling. I'm I'm sure you're kind of learning about it too because it's kind of a new thing. But but what are your thoughts on it? It seems like it could be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be really fun. Of course, I've been able to be a part of some similar events like this that we've had in house at my gym here in Portland. Um, I've watched the same style of tournaments. I think it's amazing. It, you know, I hope people go and look up the rules and kind of see how awesome it is. It really is. You know, it's going to come down to the best, who's the best grapplers and who has the best strategy and who, you know, there's got to be strategy behind the way it goes. It's a one-day tournament. It's going to go really quick. Um, so I'm excited I get to be a part of the whole thing. Well, no question. I, I wonder, as, as you get to do this commentating thing, does it ever make you think about uh, how much easier it is to make money without getting punched in the face? Maybe maybe, maybe not fighting is, is better than fighting? No, no way. This is definitely not better than fighting. This just <laughs> makes me want to fight even more. But, of course, I'm, you know, I'm someone I have many, many passions and many skills. I'm good at quite a lot of things. And I'm fortunate enough that my career allows me to do things like commentate, cooking shows, TV shows, alongside my MMA career, which is my first and foremost passion. Um, you know, being out of commission with my arm injury has, you know, put my fighting career kind of on hold. But it's just opened the doors for so many more opportunities and I'm going to keep taking advantage of them until I get that all clear from the doctor to start training. And I'll probably be taking a fight. Um, for sure, we'll be fighting by the end of the year. Outstanding. I was going to ask you for the update. I saw that you're, you're back in the gym, but you, you just can't quite use it full. Is that right? Uh, I am back in the gym. I cannot use my arm at all yet. So I'm, you know, doing everything left. I still have so many different weapons. Um, just can't use my right hand at all. So I can still work on my kicks. My left hand, I, I'm doing a ton of pad work with, with you know, all the other weapons except for my right hand. <laughs> no question. What is the goal when you get back? I mean, you say you want to fight before the end of the year. I mean, is it just to get back in there and kind of know that you're healthy again? Or is it, you know, to get back in there and make a statement and let people know that you're a, a contender? I mean, what, what what will be the personal goal when you get in there? Um, I mean, to win. That's pretty much <laughs> it. I feel like in this industry, in this sport, you, you know, people try to look too deep into it. The goal is to win, and you do whatever it takes to win, and it doesn't matter what uproar comes with any, you know, with any outcome. It's just all about it's about getting in there and showing off how talented you are. No question. We'll, we'll hope to see that at the end of the year, but uh, for now it's commentary. You, you know people have a lot on yep. TV. There's a lot of options to watch. You know, there's lots of things going on. So what's your sell? I mean, why should people tune into this, this new organization? you got to tune in, especially if you're a true fight fan, if you're a true fight fan to true a co any sort of combat fan, this is the best of the best at their game. So it's the very, very top echelon of competitors doing a tournament-style competition. So it's going to be a surprise, and it's something you can only really be a part of it if you tune in. It's, you know, the way it works is there's nobody knows who they're grappling first. There's uh, teams of five. There's four teams of five, and you submit your first, you know, your first person, and you don't know who you're grappling. So you you have your lineup within your team, but it's all going to happen like off the fly, and there's going to be things changing up as the as the tournament goes. You really just have to tune in, and you don't know which high level grappler is going to be competing against who until it happens. <laughs> We'll
Paige. Paige Van Sant with a quick little career update as well as her uh, discussion of her job. Like I said, USC Fight Pass this weekend. Do us a favor. At least turn in, tune into Cage Fury Fighting Championships and then maybe stick around for Kinetic. I think you should watch both, but at least watch CFFC. Let them know that you think your boy is doing a good job. Ho hopefully we do well. I I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I actually uh, am going to run right now. We've got a production meeting that i got to get to, and then the ceremonial weigh-ins are actually uh, out on the boardwalk here in Atlantic City. So hopefully the it's, it's still a little bit overcast, but we got uh, a little bit of time left. Hopefully that kind of burns off. Um, but it's going to be right out there on the boardwalk. Man, this this uh, Hard Rock Atlantic City is nice, man. They, it, this used to be the Taj Mahal. They've rebranded it, um, and they've uh, you know kind of rebuilt everything. It's really, really nice. Like I say, uh, we, we went to the Borgata last night to have some dinner, and, uh, man, really, really nice over there as well. Um, I had never been in the Borgata before, but that's super nice. This is nice. Uh, the, the remodel, and they said that you know there's some other ones around here. Uh, that, that, have, that have gotten some nice rebranding. But the really cool thing is that the arena that we use here, it's called Edis Arena. Um, again, this used to be the Trump Taj Mahal. So this was the same place that USC 28, USC 30, and USC 31 uh, were all held. Uh, so kind of cool, a little bit of MMA history. I mean, way back in 2000, 2001, the very beginning uh, of the Zufa era. And uh, and now we're back here with, with uh, CFFC. So Pretty stoked about that. It's kind of kind of cool to have that that connection. So uh, be looking for that on Friday night. And then, of course, I will make the journey to Anaheim and help those boys all out there in Southern California for USC 241 so that we will have full coverage of that event as well. So anyway, got to run. Uh, hopefully you uh, you were cool with just me. Hopefully Cold Coffee is enjoying his vacation. Uh, the two of us will be back together in Las Vegas next week. And uh, we'll talk to you then. I'll probably have an Anaheim. You can't whisper and a half. I'll probably have an and a half uh, if everything works out, as long as I'm not dying and falling asleep. Uh, but we should have enough coverage. I should be able to pull something off. So uh, I have a feeling a lot more people are going to want to talk about this one than they will uh, UFC Uruguay. In the meantime, thanks for listening. <laughs>